0: Welcome to the Compliance Week Podcast, powered by Navix. For more information about Compliance Week, visit www.complianceweek.com. And now, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Compliance Week Digital Transformation Podcast Series, where we're speaking with senior compliance practitioners on how emerging technologies are impacting their jobs. My name is Kyle Brasser, and I'm Editor-in-Chief at Compliance Week, and today I'm joined by one of our longtime advisory board members and Pilar Caballero. She is the Vice President, Chief Compliance Officer, and Chief Privacy operator Officer, Deputy General Counsel at Ryder Systems. Pilar, my first question, did I miss any of your job titles?
1: You pretty much have them all, <laughs> officially. Yep. There's a lot of uh, things underlying, but uh, those are the titles. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I, I think I, from there, I, I sort of actually do want to kind of get into my first question today and it's more about your roles. So um, you do wear that dual hat as both a chief compliance officer and a chief privacy officer. And that's why I'm really excited to, to have you as, as part of this series uh, to be able to speak to both those things. So, you know, in, in how you approach your roles, uh, you know, is the, do you find that those, those jobs tend to be complementary or do you find that it can often uh, clash?
1: I do find them complementary. So as a compliance professional, uh, you're ensuring that, you know, the company's doing what it can to comply with laws, you're evaluating risk, at least, you know, in my function, I'm I'm looking at risk often. And uh, the privacy world um, landscape has become a growing risk for a lot of companies and a compliance issue. So I do think that there's a natural overlap in in the two areas.
0: Yeah, and I think you know with what you just said and and how this privacy issue is really emerging in the compliance space, that's what I really love to focus on in our discussion today. Uh, it's, it's just again, you you have that unique perspective in holding both of those roles. Um, so you know, in terms of what's going on, it it really seems like technology has really exploded this last year. I mean, I think it was since. Uh, you know, ChatGPT came around last November, Uh, it's really been a a subject that's really been top of mind in the compliance space. Uh, But, you know, getting lost in that shuffle a little bit are how many data privacy concerns there are with some of these technologies and how they work. So, you know, for you, again, from that Chief Privacy Officer perspective, what's your read on the current regulatory environment for privacy and how it's gonna be able to sort of keep up with the way things are advancing in technology?
1: Well it, it's it's a that's a great question. Um, there's not a lot of guidance right now on on AI. Um you know the FTC does have some guidelines that they've you know that they've put forth and it's it's usually around transparency and truthfulness. Um you know what claims are companies going to be making, you know through their use of the AI software, um are you truthful about the input data's uh, you know, how transparent are you about how decisions are made? So th- there's general guidelines from the FTC that can help, you know, form, you know, companies, you know, general thought on this. Um, and then from a from a privacy perspective, you know, some of the privacy regulations that we currently have um, do hit a little bit on AI. So, you know, there are certain state privacies that grant Um, data subject rights to opt out of automated decision-making. You know, for example, the CCPA, um, Colorado, Connecticut, you know, they have, you know, there's little inlay of AI in their um, privacy laws. Um, And then also there's certain state privacy laws that require companies using AI to conduct a data privacy impact assessment. Um, And again, that's typical... You know, California's, Virginia's, um, Colorado, and Connecticut, right now. So, but other than that, there's not a lot of guidance here in the U.S. I know that other countries um, are also grappling with, you know, starting to create this guidance. Um, and I think part of the issue is this is so new, and a lot of regulators don't fully understand. AI and the capabilities, and what it's going to mean for the future, and what are the ethical considerations. Um, so it's it's we're learning about it as users, as companies, um, and so so is you know the regulators as well, and trying to understand that impact it's going to have.
0: Yeah, I found that to be really fascinating, just from a sort of news observation standpoint. Uh, you know, in my role at Compliance Week, it's you know, we, we keep tabs on where things are going from a regulation standpoint, uh, and we can see a law like the GDPR in the European Union and how it, it seems like it just got passed just yesterday, but it's already sort of being discussed is, you know, is the law outdated because of the way these technologies have proliferated and developed. Uh, and, you know, now with the AI Act going on in Europe, you know, they're, they're trying to play catch up a little bit, um, but, you know, for us in the United States, uh, we see all these states passing these laws Uh, And there's a chance that, you know, in two or three years, these laws aren't really accounting for what the new technology is capable to do. Uh, And that's uh, always why we need a federal privacy law, but I certainly won't get into that. Um, So for you at Rider, uh, so again, an American uh, transportation uh, company, what's the process? For vetting privacy concerns uh, when there's a, any type of des- desire from the company to utilize new technologies. Uh, so when do they sort of come to you, and and what are they really asking?
1: Right, right. Well, you know, it's interesting because with with AI, it's 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 um, bringing forward also this unique where intersection where um, as a you like the company wants to acquire. Products that have AI and use it in its business processes, and then also alternatively, you know, companies are thinking, how can we sell, you know, use our data or you know our and sell AI as part of our products. So it's twofold when you're when you're thinking about, um, you know, internal use of you know other sources of potential AI, and then externally um, doing that, and sometimes they're very two different processes so you know oftentimes with the sales process you know they just do their thing you know they're trying to sell and create products um oftentimes there's you, you have a better gatekeeper in what's coming in because you have processes for that um so you know we're we're grappling with that you know trying to put put it all together um because like like you said this kind of happened overnight with chat um, and, you know, everybody's talking about it now using it, for example, um, you know, are you feeding confidential company data into chat to create a policy or, you know, what, what are you doing with that? So, you know, one of the things that we did that we recently did, you know, pretty early on is is create a new policy on using AI in the workplace. Um, and really, it's just a page or two. Um, and it really just provides guidance on how you can use it as a, as a, you know, in your business processes and then outward. So are you considering IP considerations? Are you being transparent? Are you thinking about confidentiality? So educating people on what it is. So, you know, that's one of the first things that we've done from an AI perspective to, to start getting ahead so people start thinking about it because it's so exciting. Um, you know, I think there's a quote that says, um, you're not going to lose your job because of AI. You're going to lose your job be- be- if you don't use AI. So you're not going to be replaced by AI, but, you know, it's, you'll be replaced if you don't actually use it. So it's it's really exciting. So you want to encourage it, but at the same time, there's so many things that you need to think about from an ethical, legal, confidentiality perspective. So that policy, um, you know, trying to get that out there, start communicating, um, and then also we do have, you know, from our vendor perspective, we have processes where um, when we are acquiring, you know, certain softwares or there's an exchange of data, that there is an approval process of reviewing from our IT security team as well as the legal team, um, trying to determine, you know, what what's Acceptable. What you're going to put in contracts, looking at it from that perspective as well.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the policy part because I feel like that's that's really important from the perspective of like you were saying. You know, if you have sales agents who are really chomping at the bit to re- be able to dive into some of these things, knowing that there's such a market for it, um, you need to have that check and balance to be able to say, well, here's the sort of rules of the road. So you talked about developing that, you know, one or two page sheet policy. You know, you're at a company that's got tens of thousands of employees, so. How are you working to sort of get that policy out there and make sure all the employees are aware of it and and sort of know where the rules of the road are? Yeah,
1: well, it's like any policy. So, um, and this one's you know brand new. There's a lot of interest in it, so that's the good thing. Um, A lot of policies that we roll out, you know, they seem boring, but this one everyone wants to learn about AI. It's it's kind of cool. You can use it in your personal life. Um, So I think there's a lot of talk about it. So leveraging that, so we will run um, campaigns um, about, hey, this new policy and and you just make it interesting um, and then start incorporating, our next step is incorporating it into trainings. Um, But I find that when we do run trainings on cybersecurity, um, you know, things like this, there's a lot more interest and it gets completed a lot faster than, you know, your typical, um, you know, compliance trainings that everyone doesn't always want to do so quickly. But I think people think this is interesting and they can see how it affects them
0: personally. Yeah. And I think that's such a great point. You know, sometimes it's it's I don't think it's really understood that you can lean into the hype on some of these things uh, in terms of getting a message out there. You know, if there is such an appetite to learn more about it, uh, then why not use that as an opportunity to teach some you know compliance about it?
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. It's
0: is, it is very rare that people are chopping at the bit for compliance guidance.
1: Exactly. I'm I'm very surprised um, at how how much interest this has has gotten. Um, I, and I guess maybe I shouldn't be because, like as we said, ChatGPT. I think within like a day or two had you know a bazillion users.
0: <laughs> now it's you know, it's less than a year later, and it's probably been made archaic by everything that's here today. right, right. So um, it's it's very much just uh, speaks to how dynamic these times are. Um, and you know on that note, again, I, I, I really appreciate the fact that you have both the Chief Compliance Officer and Chief Privacy Officer perspective. Um, you know when for people who don't have that dual role for chief compliance officers that are also not the chief Privacy officers at their companies, how involved do they need to be? In this whole process of onboarding these technologies, from that privacy perspective,
1: yeah, you know, it's obviously it depends on everybody's company. Every company has its own culture, its own dynamic, and so you sometimes you fill a gap. Um, But I think as a compliance professional, um, you want to get at the table as often as you can on you know myriad of you know issues. And to me, this is just another area where um, it's. There are laws that you will need to comply with, and there's going to be processes. And compliance officers are usually really good about creating processes and trainings and um, auditing and and you know so creating this rollout of programs. And so I think that's an area, especially with with privacy AI, where compliance officers can be leveraged um, because we're used to training people role you know and 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 creating um, programs around you know different requirements. So I think there's a natural fit there um, to to get a, a seat at the table. Um, and oftentimes you know compliance officers, you get complaints about certain things about privacy. Um, so you're already in that space. Um, so I think that you know I would encourage, you know, compliance professionals to expand their knowledge in this area because it is so new. A lot of this, especially this AI, um, we're kind of at the forefront. It's almost like the internet back in the '90s when it came up. You know, um, people didn't know the capabilities of it. I I feel like AI is is this this new internet of evolution, um, and so this is an opportunity where you can be at the the forefront and really learn and make an impact. Um, and I think that there's space for it.
0: Yeah, and I have to imagine any compliance officer would jump at the bit to be able to set a compliance tone on this stuff uh, you know, as soon as they possibly can. I think that that's that's so important with any of these emerging technologies.
1: Yes, and and that's that's a piece. You know, from a compliance, you know, it's typically now we've seen compliance not just be compliance with laws, but the ethical component compliance and ethics. Um, and there are a lot of ethical considerations with um, with AI um, and legal ones also. So you know, discriminatory outputs. Um, which could create employment law issues when you're, you know, are there hiring biases if you're using um, AI? Um, So there are IP concerns. Are you infringing? So there's a lot of legal concerns. It's not just the technology, but a lot of varied, you know, legal issues that can arise where uh, compliance professionals can really, you know, have an input there.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing I, I definitely want to circle back on is, you know, we talked a little bit at the start about how the, the US data privacy landscape is, is really becoming dynamic and evolving, you know, this year, I think we entered with uh, five comprehensive laws. And now at this point, we're at 12. Uh, and it's really changing quick. So, you know, for compliance officers, especially if they have those um, privacy obligations, I mean, it's, it's hard to keep up with with everything that's going on. So, you know, again, you're you're doing that role. What advice do you have for mm-hmm. other compliance professionals in, in trying to keep pace with those multiple privacy laws? Are you the type of person who's, you know, you pick the the str- most stringent law and you comply there? Or does it really need to be that you have to really understand the facets of each of these?
1: Yeah, I mean, we are. I mean, quite frankly, the the, the easiest approach is to pick the most stringent and try to apply it across the, you know, across your organization. because. Um, you know, you do have to be aware of what the latest requirements are. And we do, you know, I'll leverage law firms and, you know, other third parties to help because it is evolving. And, um, you know, there's some intricacies involved that you have to understand, you know, do you have to update your website? Do you have to now have a process to do a privacy impact assessment? You know, so there's, you know, myriad of different issues that you have to think about All the time, is it just the U.S. and i you know, do I have to do something different for each country? So I do think taking the um, most stringent approach is probably the most practical way to do it. Um, But, you know, with that said, things are evolving, and so you have to try to keep on top of it. And um, anyone who says they're perfect at it or ahead of the game, you know, I don't think they're being completely truthful um, because, you know, at this point. You you do need to try to do the best that you can do, um, and yeah, it's one of those areas that um, that sometimes within your organization you don't know you have a you you have to figure out what everybody else is doing, and you know it, that's not always easy to do. So that takes time.
0: Yeah, and I, and, you know, for me, I really see that these conversations are going to be occurring uh, simultaneously over the next couple of years. As much as we're talking about um, AI, we're going to have to be talking about data privacy. And you know, just because these laws are on the books now doesn't mean that uh, it's uh, you know set in stone uh, the way some of these are. So I think, like you said, you kind of have to, you have to be dynamic. Uh, you have to really be able to react because uh, it's just the type of playing field that we're on right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you. You really do, and um, just be a little comfortable with um, not being a hundred percent comfortable all the time.
0: <laughs> that's yeah. That's just the day in the life of a compliance officer, <laughs> Yeah, also, exactly,
1: right. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me again, Pilar. It uh, it was just so great to have you on here and for to hear your insights on this because uh, it's it's just a topic that I think uh, we could talk about for days and days and that's why we're doing so many of these different podcasts here uh so we really appreciate your perspectives and and you taking the time to to share those
1: thanks for having me i always love talking about this stuff
0: all right thank you for listening